Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just north of I-94 between Highway 164 and Highway F in the Ridgeview Corporate Park. And we truly invite you to stop in and see us. We've just uh, moved in. We've been in this building now about three months, and we absolutely love it. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building across from Winkies. Everyone knows where Winkies is, and if you don't, you got to stop there. And we're very blessed to be able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you would like to put a voice with a face, you can go to ellenbecker.com for more details. I have a very special guest today, and I know I say that a lot, but you know, I always have these opportunities to uh, interview and to share time on the radio with people that I truly enjoy as friends and I respect in our community. Today my guest is Barry Mandel and he is the CEO of the Mandel Group. He has a JD degree and he is considered one of the most influential business leaders in Wisconsin. He is credited with the downtown residential renaissance. He is a premier residential multifamily developer in the greater Milwaukee and surrounding area. And before we started the interview, he said, you don't have to say too much about me. And that's one of the things I just love about him is that he is a quiet giant in this community. And I just wanted to pick his brain on so many topics. He and I are kind of facing that same thing, like how do we retire from being who we are and being the and doing the things that we love and also exploring new things. And of course, just everything that he has done to our community to create uh, venues where people want to live and people want to be. And then, of course, he's got a huge background in philanthropic um, endeavors. So we've got a lot to cover today. Welcome to the show, Barry. Well, thank you very much. And you do have fabulous offices. <laughs> I mean, what a place. Thank you Congratulations. so much. Thank you so much. And I was so excited for you to come today because you know buildings and you know um, what it takes to put something together to really be able to have it uh, resemble who you are as a person and what you hope to achieve. And I feel like, I, like I told you today, I can't retire from who I am. I love coming here. I just love well, coming well, here. Well, this is not just not a building. <laughs> this is a place where you've created a lifestyle for not only yourself, your clients, and the people who work with you. Well, thank you so much. I really take that from you as a compliment. Before we get started, I'm sure that everyone knows about you, but just in case there's a few people, can you provide an overview of the Mendel Group, your mission, your vision? And I, I do know that um, one of the ways you got started in this business was your dad, that on Sunday nights he used to take you driving around and looking at properties that he might be interested in. And from a very, very young age, you were able to adopt uh, real love for real estate. And I also know how that works because my daughter, Julie, started my business when she was very young, too, uh, 
folding envelopes and helping me pass out flyers. And here she is now the president of EIG. So it's a very compliment to your dad. Well, it is. Um, I learned about real estate It really at the kitchen table. <laughs> I would say that uh, by the time I was four, I knew what depreciation was. I, I knew what zoning was. I knew how hard it was to get approvals for um, sites. And it wasn't Sunday nights. It was Sunday um, mornings before the mornings. Packer games. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, before the Packer games um, <laughs> that we would go out and sometimes on Saturdays. And he would show me sites that uh, he thought that he would like to develop. Uh, he was a single-family developer, and later on he he did build uh, multifamily, but all affordable multifamily, um, elderly, um, and uh, low to moderate income um, housing for uh, for the elderly. So for the Mandel Group, what what I mean, I can sit back and know when I started my company, I had a vision of having a place where my employees wanted to go to work, um, providing better services for my client. What was your vision, and how did that unfold for you as you started with um, smaller um, opportunities? And I know I also read that um, one of the things is is that you really work within the community and you work with people, and you're always trying to find a way to come to resolution and collaboration. And I know there's a great story out there about a swimming event that you had <laughs> that um, really um, kind of started you off. In swimming. In swimming, for sure. <laughs> in swimming. And, 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 and a whole new way of negotiations. Well, that's for that's for <laughs> sure. So, where would you like me to start, Al? You can start anywhere that you want, Barry. Anywhere. This is um, this is like you and I are just having coffee and connecting on all these different fronts. Well, I was extremely fortunate as a young man. Um, I practiced law for um, two and a half years, actually in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I was a miserable lawyer and miserable at it. And I always wanted to be on the other side of the table. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to come back to Milwaukee and um, given the opportunity to find myself. And uh, my father provided that opportunity, but he didn't, um, uh, he didn't want necessarily to be, for me to be in his, uh, part of his company. He really wanted to find, for me to find uh, my own pathway and to be independent. And um, for about, oh, I'd say a couple years, I sort of floundered and um, was able to find, um, he introduced me to a, uh, a fellow named Jack Collier, and he was in the construction business, and I had legal and I had financial, and um, I had other skill sets that complemented him, and he had other skill sets that complemented me, and we built our first basement, and it was four uh, condominiums in um, Elm Grove, Wisconsin. And um, that was really the beginning of um, my real estate career. The next one, however, um, a financial advisor from Hales Corners came around um, to our while we were building, and he said, you know, I saw your presentation in Elm Grove, and I really think you should be part of a uh, request for proposal to build 332 units in Hills Corners, Wisconsin. So we're building four units, and now we're thinking about competing for 332 <laughs> units. And 
the craziest thing happened. We won. (laughs) (laughs) I was like the dog that caught the car. (laughs) Quite frankly, I didn't know what to do. (laughs) So I went through the yellow pages, not figure not exactly the yellow pages but i i searched for everybody i thought who could be a partner who could help us with this 332 unit development and i happened to call the largest uh, residential multifamily real estate company in the united states of america which was trammell crow residential and i called on a thursday they came on a tuesday offered to buy the site from us offered me a job as uh, as a partner in um, in the company, and in addition to that, paid me a salary and a very large profit on the land, and gives ten percent of the um, the deal we were going to build, and which is Plumtree, which uh, happened in about 1986, and so that was the beginning of my multifamily career, and um, uh, it it also. Uh, was extraordinarily important for me because now I was part of a very large company, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't a company that um, it was a flat organization, in that every um, division, and they were cities and states, um, really had their own autonomy, and as a result of that, um, we were the actual CEO as long as we. Um, I did business consistent with the risk management guidelines. Uh, we were pretty free to do what we want. And so it, it was a wonderful experience. And I, I was surrounded by people who I never thought I'd be able to meet from all over the country, um, who were just a fabulous group of people, extraordinarily well-educated, extremely experienced in multifamily real estate. And um, the amount I learned during that period of time the five and a half years that I spent with Tremel Crow Residential really was um, a profound time in my life. Tell us just a little bit about your swimming experience. My swimming experience. <laughs> I, I swam when I was seven years old. I learned how to swim. Um, I had extreme buck teeth, and my family were, uh, and kids teased me a lot. And they wanted to find something, just something I was good at. <laughs> and they taught me they taught me how to swim, but in a lake. And I kept my head up instead of putting my head down because it was sort of dark and murky in that water. <laughs> so um, I um, uh, I joined the Jewish Community Center swimming team, but then they told me I swam freestyle with my head up, and I wasn't ready for the swim team. Then they put me on my back. And um, I swam backstroke, but I was too afraid of hitting my head. So I, um, I decided to really practice putting my head down. And by the time I was nine, I was ranked in the state in freestyle and 10. And then I, I swam in high school at uh, Nicolay High School. I was captain of the swimming team. And then the next time I swam was when I was 43 years old at an alumni meet. (laughs) I love this story. Yes. I swam against the varsity. I was 43 years old. The next oldest person was 21. And I got out of the pool and I asked my wife how, you know, how how did I do? She said, did you see that person swimming next to you? I said, yes. Most of the time I saw his feet. (laughs) And she said, boy, oh boy. He was really a specimen of a person. And I said, well, how did I do, Eileen? He, she said, he was really great. 
And I said, how did I do, Eileen? Well, the next day I got a trainer, and I started swimming more. <laughs> <laughs> and how did the trainer set you up for the opportunity to swim a competitive well, race for money? Well, that's a different story. We built um, University Club Tower, and uh, it's a $120 million building. And as usual, you would, find, you would think that a contractor and a developer over $120 million would find some things that they disagree about. So we disagreed about $3.6 million of change <laughs> orders. And you would think that's a lot of money, but it's only 3%. And boy, um, we had, uh, Findorf was the contractor. Um, they just couldn't have been better. Um, and uh, we just got in a room and we decided to go ahead and um, negotiate between ourselves. We got down to $1.7 million. We recessed for the day, came back a couple weeks later. We got in the same room. We got chalkboards, and each of, each of our teams decided which percentage of the change orders that um, uh, we were responsible for. And sure enough, at the end of about six hours, we were only $25,000 apart. <laughs> and then Rich Lynch, who was head of um, uh, Findorf at the time, said, Barry, I know you're a high school swimmer. Why don't we swim for $25,000? And he said, you pick the event, you pick the venue, you pick the timing. And I said, okay. I didn't know he was captain of the University of Wisconsin swimming team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was no way I was going to beat this fella. And he was tall, long legs, big feet, and he was a much better swimmer than I was in uh, in high school because he swam for he swam for University of Wisconsin, and so I hired somebody who just got done swimming for the Olympics. I'm not very competitive. I um, he trained me for three months, uh, solid. <laughs> uh, Rich Lynch uh, worked out with his um, college coach. And three months later, I came out of the locker room in my trainer's robe, Olympic robe, that is. <laughs> I looked like a munchkin <laughs> at five foot eight, and my trainer was much bigger. So, I mean, this robe was gigantic on me. And he comes out, he's slim, he's tall, he's good looking. And my wife said, I'm not going home with you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> She said, you're going to be in one bad mood. <laughs> and only on that one day, just that one day, I was able to win that race by 12 hundredths of a second. And Rich Lynch changed my life because that was 16 years ago. And ever since then, I've been swimming competitively. I've had coaches. I've swum locally, uh, statewide nationally and internationally, and now I'm training for the world championships in Doha, Qatar wow. in 2023. That is uh, fantastic. Sorry. We are going to take a break, and with that, we will be right back. Welcome 
Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Barry Bandel. He is the CEO of the Mandel Group. We've been talking about his life and, and his journey, but I also want to say that in 2000, Barry was presented with the Rotary Person of the Year, the Vocational Recognition Award for the Milwaukee Rotary Club. He's also um, had significant contributions to the real estate industry in downtown Milwaukee development. He's been featured in numerous periodicals for the company's development, on and on and on. But I think you get the idea that not only is he um, really has a, a, a solid, good footprint in Milwaukee and what's going on, but he's got a great sense of humor as well. So welcome back to That's the show, the Barry. And you've been talking about um, some of the things that prompted you to get started in business, your dad, and the things that you've done. How, when when you're thinking about a project, and I know you've got several really great projects going on, what are some of the things that you you think about, and how do you determine not just, and I know you're not just about the bottom line of making money, which is one of the things that so clearly connected me to you, that you're really connected to the people and to, you mentioned housing before, and we're looking at 10,000 people a day retiring for the next 10 years, that a lot of them, just like me, have thought, you know, I'm going to downsize and I want to do something different. So how do you take all of these different issues into um, into your mind and into consideration as you're looking for new projects? Well, it's... Um you know, I'll give you an example, and um, this is way, 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 way back, and it comes back to swimming, actually. Um, when I was um, 9 and 10, I, I, as I said, I swam at the Jewish Community Center, so I took the 30 bus. I lived on 53rd and Keith, and so we take the bus down, and we go down Ogden Street. And at that time, basically, they had cleared the Italian neighborhood from Jefferson Street all the way to pro, uh, to Prospect between Lyon and Ogden Street, and they were going to put a freeway there. And here I am, 10 years old, and I see them clearing this land. And I said, what is going to go there? And uh, and then I found out it was going to be a freeway, and I was a young man. I said, boy, that doesn't sound right. That's, <laughs> that's going to look pretty ugly in our downtown. Well, lo and behold, um, you know, later in the... Um, 19, 1980s, I was awarded the opportunity to build nine square blocks and 19 acres of downtown Milwaukee, which was all that land I first viewed when I was 10 years old. And everybody thought I was absolutely crazy because at that time, uh, downtown Milwaukee was not considered a safe place to live. And um, uh, I thought instead, I closed my eyes and I said, you know, there's downtown Chicago and then there's Streeterville and then there's the Gold Coast. And, you know, it's about, you know, it, it may be a little bit closer than it is uh, to downtown, to the downtown business district in Chicago, but it's exactly the same. Of course, Milwaukee's a lot smaller. And I said, this is a place for people to live. And um, that was my first development in downtown Milwaukee, uh, East Point. And I was very fortunate to buy from the county uh, these 19 acres. And um, it, it 
it started me um, off on urban development. Uh, coincidentally, at the time, uh, we had Mayor Norquist here, and uh, Mayor Norquist was a new urbanist, and he um, really inspired me and inspired our company. Um, and not only, we don't build four walls and, and a roof. We're not building housing. I really think that technology, even, you know, some time ago, I always felt that te technology, hospitality, and housing merged together. That we're cre trying to create communities, not just buildings. And those buildings not only need to serve our residents who are our customers, our most important people that we have to serve, but it needs to serve the community around it. And so it has to have a catalytic impact on not only um, the specific area that we're building, but a much greater impact. And I think that East Point ended up doing that for downtown Milwaukee at a time when nobody really wanted to build in Milwaukee or live in Milwaukee. We we proved that could be done. We needed a lot of critical mass to make it safe. Um, and it just grew from there. You talk about the um, safety, and that's a big issue now for all kinds of communities all over the country. How do you look at the areas that you're considering doing a project in and consider the environment, of course, and the sustainability and to incorporate that into your building um, and determining who's going to live here? Well, when you're, when you're thinking of um, building a development, um, first I, I talked about building a community. But as part of building a community, what you want to do is, is take the best of every site that you're looking at and be able to preserve um, the best of it. And so, for example, in Shorewood, when we built condominiums on Edgewood, we took all the champion trees and we saved all the champion trees and we site planned around it in order to make sure that we um, maintained um, from an environmental uh, standpoint um, uh, really the natural beauty that was already part of, um, of the development. In, uh, in Wauwatosa, for example, we worked um, very, very closely uh, with uh, non-for-profits um, with respect to making sure that the butterfly habitat uh, was maintained and went so far as to um, take off the second, not take off, but not design the second floor of one of our buildings in order to make sure that the sun shined on the areas where the uh, monarch butterflies um, were congregating and, and nesting. And so being an environmentalist, uh, being a developer, I think you have to also be an environmentalist. And at the same time, you have to be a historic preservationist. Uh, in Wauwatosa, again, we, we built a, a development where there were five Eschweiler buildings. Um, I lived in an Eschweiler home for 26 years. The last thing I wanted to do is take down an Eschweiler building. <laughs> and so um, I invited Tom Eschweiler, the oldest remaining member 
of the um, architectural firm to view what we were thinking about doing. And uh, we were going to take down um, some of the, uh, one of the buildings. Um, we offered any building to anybody for $1 if they would restore it. And in addition to that, we turned some other buildings into a clubhouse and office area. And then um, we deconstructed some buildings, but left the first floor and the staircases, which he was famous for, and made them into recreational areas. And so there's always a way to, to, um, to keep a part of history, the best qualities of the site, integrate that, and use that to make your community a better place for our people to live. Because what we want to do is make each and every one of our residents have the best living experience they possibly can have when they live with us. I'm very excited about a project that you're doing in Elm Grove because I have lived in Elm Grove. My children grew up there. And, you know, that whole area where the um, nuns lived was such an important part in the churches there. And if can you give us a little insight into what's going on there? And I think that leads us into how are you viewing and how do you view this whole idea that there's 10,000 people a day retiring and thinking about what's their next step, what's their next lifestyle? So how do you look at the trends and incorporate that in as well? Well, that's, um, that's very interesting. Um, Elm Grove was a six-year journey. We don't have enough time to talk about all six years. <laughs> Um, but it took us six years in order to get um, Elm Grove approved. We tend to go where uh, to municipalities um, where people sometimes don't want us to have apartments uh, because they think in some cases that apartments are going to degrade their community. Well, in this case, um, uh, we were able to show them that this was actually going to uplift their community Um, Not everybody agreed with it, I can assure you of that. Our development was going to help, we think, uh, redevelop the downtown in Elm Grove. Yes, which is a lovely area to walk around in. It used to be a very vibrant area, and it's no longer a vibrant area. Yes. So bringing some more density and more people um, to Elm Grove, extremely important. You know, our partners were the... Um, Sisters of Notre Dame, and they were just absolutely fabulous to work with. Um, and they had certain criteria, and that's why they picked us. They wanted to maintain the natural beauty and the vegetation um, uh, on the site. They wanted something that was going to be pleasing to the neighborhood. Um, they wanted um, us to build not only multifamily but to have some single family in addition to that to surround the site. And um, they also were interested in historical preservation. And so, you know, we just worked so well together. And then, of course, Neil Palmer, who was head of um, uh, the board of trustees, was uh, a real leader and champion. And um, he was extraordinarily helpful in um, having this um be approved. One of the things, Barry, as you and I are just sitting here and, and talking and you're sharing your stories is very evident to me is that you collaborate. And part of your goal is to 
integrate the community, the people, and to um, work with a lot of it, it's not all about you. It's not about what you do, but you really have a good sense of the importance of all the people that you interact with as to bringing this um, deal or, or this property or these family residential areas, that feeling of that good energy is, is really what it is of collaboration and connection, not disconnection. Well, um, you know, it all comes down to serving leadership. And um, that's my style of, um, of leadership, not only in my company, but it goes um, much broader than that. So when we go into a community, we want to build the best um, development we can that's going to be an enduring asset to that community for the next hundred years. And so we work with the communities in order to, to set a very, very high bar to make sure that we have done the best we can uh, for that community in the long run. But it extends beyond that. It, 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 it extends even beyond the community. It extends to our bankers. It extends to the people we do, uh, who, who do const- uh, our contractors. Um, our, our residents, of course, are the most important um, to our business because without our residents, we wouldn't <laughs> be in business. Um, but we're, uh, and in that regard, we really think deeply about how we design our properties from the inside out. How do people live? How do they want to, what do they do when they get up in the morning? How do they use their space? How can we make a better living environment for them, not only inside their unit, but also the amenities that are outside the unit? And then how does that relate to the broader community? And how can they also share in our development. And many times we have public pathways right through our developments and parks and other amenities that people in the community can use. My guest today is Barry Mandel. He is the CEO of the Mandel Group. And I think from the conversation, you can really gather why he has been considered one of the most influential business leaders in Wisconsin. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you would like to share this interview, you can go to the ellenbecker.com, go to Money Sense, and just scroll down to Barry Mandel, and you can share this with um, individuals, especially if you've got sons, daughters that are um, really considering a, a career, and they want to understand what are some of the things that would be beneficial for them. I don't think it really matters what career that you go into. Some of the things that Barry is talking about are the types of things that make strong, good good leaders in any industry that you're looking at. Barry, you've got the swimming down. You're building these fantastic um, residences. You are a... Um, a a true um, leader within our community. But what else um, 
do you do that inspires you? And, you know, I know that answer to some degree. You're very philanthropic, and you've got some wonderful programs that you're behind and trying to help the the kids in our community who are less fortunate and don't always have some of the opportunities that everyone else has. Um, you're right. Um, with respect to um, uh, philanthropy, I think philanthropy is, um, you know, very, very, very personal. And I think that whether or not you give one dollar or one hour of your time, or millions of dollars. Each person has the opportunity to be philanthropic in some way. And that, to me, is being able to serve others in a manner which gives them the resources to better their life in some way. And um, uh, I thought, um, uh, while I was, let's say, younger than 60, um, and I'm 70 now, um, I used uh, real estate um, as one of the leverage points where perhaps I won't call it philanthropy, but making the, better, uh, the community a better place. Um, and that is that we made sure that in our developments that we had diverse um, subcontractors uh, that would be part of our development team. And um, those were minority contractors, uh, whether or not they be women, whether or not they, uh, of, of what race they may be, but more minority contractors that were starting out. Many times we helped them in ways. Um, giving opportunities. Absolutely, giving them opportunities um, to, be, uh, to be successful. And then we went further. Uh, we joint ventured with the city. And not only did we give them opportunities, but the city went ahead and created um, an educational program for the subcontractors, uh, mostly for their back office, to give them the kind of support they would need in order to be um, successful. And then I got a call one day from a gentleman, from Dr. Epley, Dr. Mark Epley, at Marquette University. And he said, he was part of a program called Associates in Commercial Real Estate called the Acre Program. And he, the Bader Foundation had funded them for two years, and they were looking for somebody else now. Um, Bader Foundation did a fabulous job starting them off. And um, this is probably about 14 years ago, and he asked me whether or not I'd be interested. And I said, absolutely. And I've been involved in the Acre Program now for I don't know, 12 to 14 years. We have 300 graduates of the ACRE program. These are mostly all minority graduates who um, have um, gone through the program and in one way or another has got exposure to real estate in many different forms. Many of them have been extraordinarily successful. Tens of millions of dollars of buildings have gone up uh, by these graduates. Other people have found other uh, places for them, like um, aldermen at City Council in Milwaukee. Uh, the Department of City Development was an Acre graduate, Lafayette Crump. In, in fact, the head of WIDA at one time 
was a graduate of the Acre program. So we've had um, tremendous, it's the most gratifying thing I've ever done philanthropically because I've, we've been able to see so much success. And even if they didn't choose a path in real estate, we enriched their lives. And what about the youth of our community? How did you get, how did that spark your interest and propel you into making such a difference? And I know that you also told me that that was one of the hardest things that you've had to do too. And it's been a challenge too. Well, um, I think I, I mentioned earlier on that I grew up on 53rd and Keith. And um, I used to go down um, Roosevelt Drive um, and Capital Drive, and there were a lot of manufacturing companies there. Um, our hospitals were downtown. Well, sometime in the 1980s, our hospitals left, and our manufacturing left. And unfortunately, it created a downward spiral of the middle class residents in, um, in, in Milwaukee. And it kept on being a downward spiral. I think that if you're a resident of this uh, of Milwaukee uh, or Metro Milwaukee, it is very, very, very hard not to see the um, the segregation that exists, the poverty that exists, the inequality with respect to education, and um, I just felt that it was extremely important to, to think in terms of uh, the ICRA program was education, but where do you start? So um, I happened to be on a, uh, a national uh, board called I Have a Dream. Um, they asked whether or not I'd be interested in starting a cohort of, uh, <coughs> in Milwaukee, and we um, we did that with the help of Margaret Henningsen, who started a cohort in 2006 and, uh, 2007 and 2008. Um, she agreed uh, and her board agreed to start another cohort. So we basically uh, chose a school. We chose uh, Milwaukee Academy of Science, um, who had an unbelievable CEO, uh, Anthony McHenry. Um, it was started by Michael Bolger. It was built by Gary Grunow. It, um, so leaders, substantial leaders in our community, and we are taking 101 first graders from first grade to first job, wrapping services around a two-generational approach, not just looking, not just focusing on the student themselves, but focusing on the entire family, stabilizing their family life, and also being able to enhance the education of the students um, during school, after school, and summer programs. That's amazing. And, you know, you're going to have to come back because we're getting, we're almost out of time and there's so much more to talk about. But one of the things that I feel strongly about is that a gift isn't a gift until it's given away. And that has been a motto of yours since your dad gave you the gift of the information and the um, curiosity about real estate and what could be done. And I think so many people think of building and just a building, but 
your depth is so much different than than most. You're you're looking at so much more, and what a legacy of everything you've done, but also this legacy with the children. And I know because we've talked how hard you're working to get these families to. Um, there's more problems like driving. They can't get places. And and there's difficulties even for these parents who desperately want to be part of this. It's, it's a challenge. And you're trying to meet every single challenge head on to give these kids and these families this opportunity to see a better life and to want a better life. With that, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Barry Mandel, and it has just been such a delight. We're kind of at the end, Barry, and I know that recently you suggested a book for me to read, and it was as I was also learning for the first time, having my eyes opened as to some of the things that were happening within our city. And that book um, really also changed my life, and opened up my eyes so I could see something through a different lens. Well, that's the book um, Evicted by Matthew Desmond. And um, I suggest that anybody who's interested in understanding Milwaukee, because the book was written about Milwaukee, Matthew Desmond embedded himself in Milwaukee and wrote the book about the um, the struggles that uh, people have who are underserved and uh, who are fighting the biggest foe that they can, and that's poverty. And the trials and tribulations, the trauma it creates on the, fa- on the family life and, um, and how their lives are um, so distorted um, by um, the challenges and trauma of poverty. As I'm sitting here thinking about people listening and they're hearing about all the beautiful things that you've done for our community and the courage and the stick to of not quitting and not giving up because we haven't talked about the hurdles and there's always hurdles. What would you suggest? We, we just have a little bit of time left for someone listening that says, you know, I would like to be able to have a legacy like Barry Mandel. Well, um, I think a lot of people do. There are so many heroes in our community. Um, and quite frankly, um, I, um, I look upon so many as um, doing so much for our community. I'm doing a small part um, in, in the best way um, that I can. Um, but I think for anybody, um, a, a younger person who's thinking about doing something, um, and it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't. It just has to be authentic. It has to be, come from your heart. It has to come from the things that you see, with that, where you can serve other people in a manner and give them the resources to make their life better than it would otherwise be. And one of the most important things, I, I, I think, you can you can go to college, you can get all the education you want, you can do any number of things, but the most important asset you have in your life is your reputation. 
and you should invest in your reputation every single day because it will pay dividends for the rest of your life and give you the opportunity and support and confidence of others to help you do what you want to accomplish because you can't do it yourself. You, you need much more than yourself in order to change the world. It, it, takes, it takes so many and for you to be able to get the confidence of others to uh, to, to follow help. you. To, well, not necessarily to follow. I, w- I would say that give them the resources and let them and empower them to um, do um, things that are consistent with the mission you're trying to achieve. Barry, thank you for such a great interview and for sharing your story and your humanness and your desire to make a difference. I truly look at the people who are retiring and I think, you know, finding that goal, something that really um, sets you on fire to to do something is so important. And you've been doing that your whole life. And a lot of people would love to have that opportunity as well. My guest today is Barry Mandel. He's the CEO of the Mandel Group. And once again, Barry, thank you so much. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.